Welcome back to Effort Over Everything Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have returning guest, Noah Olson. Now, Noah was on the show right before the CrossFit Games. I asked him what he was expecting, what his experience was going to be like, and he shared it. Now that the CrossFit Games have passed, I wanted to ask him, hey, did it live up to your expectation? What could you have done differently? Talk to me through what was different in 2021 than other years. How was it? What'd you learn? What are you going to do in the future? I really enjoyed this conversation. Noah's an awesome guy, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Before I get into the episode, just want to remind you, if you've enjoyed these episodes and our previous episodes with either business owners or athletes, would appreciate a rating or review. It helps us out a lot, and that would be great. In addition, if you're a gym owner and you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective, you have to. It's the best session planning, programming, and business tools on the market. We're really proud of it. And if you're an athlete in your garage or training at a gym and looking to be a part of the NC Fit community, go check out our app online under NC Fit. Gym owners, athletes, coaches, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's get after it. Let's go. Well, Noah, uh, thanks for taking the time. I am. Um, Dude, so let's talk about this uh, technology. How many pairs of headphones let's... do you have now? Because last time we were talking, you had headphone problems. This time your connection <laughs> wasn't great. How many headphones do you go through? And uh, what does that look like? Do you, do you pick some up every time you travel? Are you one of those kind of guys? No, no. I think contrary to what it may sound like, I literally have only two pairs, but I use them so seldomly that every time I do go to jump on one of these things, it's like I have to figure out how to do it all over again. But I've got two pairs of Beats, one like the big over-ear ones that are nice to wear like on an airplane if you're watching a movie or something, and then these for exercise, music, and I guess now podcast stuff. There you go. Well, speaking of exercise, you're um, you're pretty good at it. And um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was looking at, Bro, you, you had another top 10 finish this year and you know, you should Just be really barely. proud of that. Bare, I, I, well, I mean, you, I mean, you got, no, no, I, I, hey, I know exactly 10. what you mean, but I feel like you, if anybody else would be able to relate to the fact that like most people in the world look at that perhaps and see top 10, that's amazing. But for you and I competitors, people that have our hopes on being the number one best in the world. 10th is pretty disappointing. Of course, I could do perspective shifts and realize that it's this and this. And But at the end of the day, I, I set out to win and I didn't win. So it's it's definitely bittersweet. Not really very sweet at all unless I force myself to think of all the sweet things along the way. Well, dude, so third fittest American. I was looking at the leaderboard. Uh, you got Justin, okay. you got Saxon, and then, and then yourself. Um, okay. it's really interesting to see the international crew coming up. Um, yeah, you know, when I, when sure. I was originally, you know, like through 2000, like 14, 15, you really didn't see too much international. So, um, but you know, it's interesting. I had texted you and I had said like, Hey, I, I really thought you did a great job. You know, you left it all out there. And I know it wasn't necessarily the result you were, you were looking for with that 10th place finish. So I do want to talk about the international. I want to talk about the games, but let's start yeah, of off course. with, um, you know, you and I spoke before the 2021 games and we both had high goals and aspirations for you. You know, I really felt like you were coming off some pretty dominant. It was, uh, you had taken fourth the year before and second the year before that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, with another, I think top five finished before that, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you were definitely in the right, you know, it wasn't like you were, uh, 
shooting for the stars to say that you want to get a podium finish because you've been there before. And so what do you think, like, um, what did you think about the games? I mean, I feel like it was a lot of volume. It was a long week. I thought the events looked good, but what were your thoughts? You've competed in quite a few. Yeah, man, it's, it's tricky. And you've competed in quite a few as well. I don't know. It's hard to imagine that there's anybody out there that doesn't know you as Jason Kalipa, the CrossFit Games athlete, but there might be somebody that's listening to this for the first time. And they're like, Oh, the host is also a, a former athlete. I didn't know that, but you were a very, very successful multiple year podium games winner. So um, just in case anybody out there oh. watching didn't know that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> what did course. you think about the games? Um, all that to say that you and I both have a pretty good grasp on like what games have been like, this is my eighth one. Um, and it's hard to say, man, I think people will probably hear this and think that it's maybe me making an excuse. And I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I've always felt like there is a bit of an element of luck to the games where some years the programming does really just sway heavily in your favor. And some years it doesn't. Um, yeah. yeah, there are, there are, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think from a, I think, I think you're right about that. Uh, I do think there was a lot of events this year which helped to kind of alleviate, you know, for example, um, I'll say it at the 2008 CrossFit Games that I won, luck probably did play a big part in that one because there's only four events. They were all relatively short, and the final one was kind of in my wheelhouse. So, for mm -hmm. that sense, it really made a big difference because there was such a short amount of events. But as the years have gone on with more events and more tests, I do think the luck is less, but there's still definitely is a piece of that in there for sure of, you know, totally. managing your wheelhouse because you work so hard all year to essentially have everything in your wheelhouse. But at the end of the day, not everything's going to be there. There'll still be some outliers. Like, you know, if you're not a great swimmer, if there's a really long swim event, you can get better at it. You're probably not going to win it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, I'm, and in saying that as well, there are still athletes that no matter what the tests are, they're going to be able to win. And there have been a few people that have proven that, right? There's obviously in the most recent times, Matt and Tia, no matter what came out in the games the last five years, those guys won. Patrick Vellner even has had a really impressively consistent career. Although if you look at it, and I was kind of doing this in my mind after the games, if you look back at 2019, it's interesting to me, and it could be due to many, many factors, but if you look purely at 2019 versus this year, and you look at Patrick Vellner and Brent Fikowski versus myself, in 2019, at one point, I was in first place winning the games at the same time that those two guys had gotten cut. They didn't even make it into the top 10 or 20 or whatever that may have been. And then now you flip the script two years later, these guys are standing on the podium and I finished in 10th. And so... Again, there are many, many factors. Perhaps fitness is the biggest one. Let's say over the last two years, they've gotten fitter and either I haven't gotten quite as much fitter as them or my fitness got worse. I don't think that's the case, but it's a possibility. Or it could have something to do with the tests or the way that they're formatted and the point structure. Like, how, how do you think in your mind, does something like that happen where those guys are completely opposite two years later than myself? Yeah, I mean, I think that this obviously was a different test at different games with more events. I think recovery was super important this year. I think you had some people who might have had some good events, but then, like, uh, I was talking to Justin Medeiros about the snatch event. That's a really good example. You have some mm -hmm. people who their one rep max snatches is significantly higher, but when they actually went into that snatch event, 
they were just fatigued and they should have yeah. been fatigued. I mean, they have been training for years, you know, they've been training for days, they've been competing. Right. And so I, I think this year, potentially more than ever, um, was also a test of your recovery ability. Um, I mean, but I, could, I didn't compete in it, right? So yeah. I, I couldn't tell you, but I mean, it, it was a lot of events, that's all I'm saying. Totally. No, and I get you on that. And it looks like it was too. On paper, 15 events sounds like a lot. But having been in it myself, like physically feeling it during the weekend and after, without a doubt, I can say that it was not the most difficult, most physically taxing, exhausting year of the games that I've ever experienced. I don't know that I could pinpoint exactly which one was. There are probably a few that stand out to me, but this one was not one where by the end I was exhausted and sore everywhere or like wrecked. Um, so I, I obviously every year recovery is a factor if you're doing 15 events, but I think the types of events that they were this year, they weren't either like, there weren't any events that were super high, high rep count in one particular muscle group where like you did a hundred front squats at 185 and your quads were just going to be wrecked for the rest of the week right. or pull-ups on day one like we had 90 at the end and my biceps were a little sore the next couple of days but there have been years in the past as you know um where there's just like by the end of the weekend there's your arms are like locked at 90 degrees because you've done so much pulling and that makes it really hard to perform but i didn't feel like that was the case this year as much you know i think when you look at the performances of all the athletes and i think you can compare your performance against others ultimately right some people managed to thrive and do better and some people didn't do as well i mean i still think your performance was good dude i mean you finished top 10 in the world but when you look at the results you. and you look at your your results are there any events that come across um because you know the way the games are man it's it's the game of inches it's 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 this mm -hmm. idea of like you're you're dying for points because it could be just a few points per event that can make a big difference in the overall standings and so totally was there anything that happened throughout the games you felt like man when was the turning point for you? Because I imagine, or was there never a turning point where you go into it and you're thinking, hey, I'm a, I'm a contender for a podium spot, which I think anybody would agree that you are at any day of the week. Thank you. Was there ever a point in the games that you, you kind of, I don't want to say checked out, but realized that that wasn't going to happen? Uh, and what was that like uh, uh, emotionally? You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And obviously, once again, you have that insight because you've probably been in a similar situation. And it was a difficult year in that sense for me where I did go in with these, whether you call them high hopes or expectations that I wanted to win. And it kind of right off the bat, I had to deal with this. Um, I, I would call it confusion was a way to look at it. I, I, there were multiple times throughout the weekend where I just felt confused. I was like, man, I'm healthy right now. I'm fit. And the leaderboard is just not reflecting that. And I feel like I'm like really putting forward my best effort. And so at the events that went through the whole weekend started with a swim, as you mentioned, swimming is something that I've typically been good at in the past. And I finished in 17th place on the swim. And so that was kind of like a, a blow to my confidence right away that I was like, oof, man, I was hoping to have a, a top three, if not maybe win the swim event there and get a whole bunch of points. And I come off in the 17th place finish, like you have to kind of reframe it and get ready to now, instead of starting off on a good note, which is what I was hoping for. Now I have to start off trying to climb up the leaderboard, get back into that final heat. Um, 
And like you mentioned, there definitely was a point in time, probably like toward the end of the second day where I think I was, I don't know, I was somewhere in like, I can't remember at this point and you can't go back and look at the leaderboard and see where you were at certain times, but not even in the top 10. And I had to go through that process of in my mind, okay, I'm not going to reach my goal this year. Is that it? Is it a wash? Like, do I just Mm. consider this game's over and check out? Like why continue to put all my effort into something that's going to be impossible to achieve. And, and that's going on in my subconscious. And from a character perspective, I don't want to ever be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that quits and checks out and hangs his head. And so that for me, I was able to kind of flip that switch and say, no, you know what? I'm making a decision right now. I'm not going to let myself check out. And even though I may not achieve my goal of winning the games or even getting on the podium, I'm going to fight on every workout, give it my best effort because I'm already out here doing it. So I may as well make the most of it. Yeah. Do you think for the swim event, and then I'll talk about the, the, what you're referring to. So for the swim event, do you think the fact that there was fins made a big difference because swimming with fins is definitely different than swimming without fins for sure. Yeah, man. It's interesting that you mentioned that. And, uh, I don't know how I'd be able to confirm this, but I grew up as a swimmer, I swam a little bit in um, middle school and then through all of high school and into college, I, I swam competitively. I was never the best. I was not anywhere near like top level, but I think having that much of a swimming background is an advantage in CrossFit because not a lot of people do. Throughout my entire swimming career, and even still, I've never been a very strong kicker. Mm. For example, Lauren Fisher, yeah. who's a friend of yours, Lauren and I did some kick drills when we were up in Atlanta training together. And Lauren would smoke me on the kick drills. Like she'd beat me by half a length of the pool. And then when we did an actual swim, I'd be able to reverse that in my favor. And so I think the addition of fins this year gave an advantage to people that are good kickers. And I didn't benefit from that advantage as much. And maybe that's where there wasn't that, like there was that gap in my performance. If it was a mile straight swim with no fins, would I have been, in the top 10, I have no idea, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I think the fins definitely add a, a different layer. You know, I remember when they first introduced swimming at the CrossFit Games, the first year they ever did it, um, they allowed, they, they, they had you wear fins and we were in mm-hmm. the ocean. And at that point, you know, I think it was Dave's way of kind of keeping people, it, it was just trying to keep people safe and, and whatnot, but it did add a whole he- different element to it. Dave mentioned this year specifically, I don't know if it was personally to me or to the group, but that the reason that they added the fins was literally just a time consideration that if they had done a one mile swim without fins, there would have been some people that that event, the swim alone would have taken them 45 minutes to an hour, whereas they wanted the whole event to take them that much time. So he said some study had shown that using fins made on average somebody about 20% faster and they used fins for everybody just because of the distance and the amount of time they wanted that event to take. Which makes total sense. And right. so you're going into day two, if I'm, you said day two, right. And the kind of having that, you know, you're going into day two, you're not in the top 10 spot. And, you know, so in 2010 games, I had a similar experience. So I came off a, a first place in 08, a fifth place in 09. I go into 2010 and I ended up taking 16th that year. It's the only year I finished outside the ten, top 10. And I remember I was in like kind of a downward position and it was very difficult to motivate myself because of, like you said, you're used to being in that top 10 heat. You're used to being in that final heat. And when you're out of the final heat, it is difficult. And so what was it like, 
when you're so used to being in the top heat, and I think for anybody listening who who um, you know hasn't competed at the games or in the, being in the top heat is a really big deal. Um, my goal is always to fight to be in the top heat because mm-hmm. um, you're utilizing these other people around you to set the benchmark of your performance. And if you're not in that final heat, it's difficult to see how well you're doing, especially after maybe half the games are over, because at that point, there is a pretty big separation between the top 10 and everybody else. So what was Absolutely. that like not being in the top heat? And then, you know, what, what kind of mindset did that take? Because you have to kind of sell out because you know you have other heats coming. Right. Yeah, it definitely is tricky when you're not in that final heat because you could go out and smash it in heat three and set the event record or set the event time so far and you won your heat by two minutes and then the last heat comes out and you finish in 11th place every single guy in the final heat beat your time i don't know if it's kind of like the uh that phenomenon of like the four minute mile right i think at one point everybody said nobody would break the four minute mile one dude did it and then that same year 50 other people did it so i think it may be like that like somebody sets the tone And then everybody else in the final heat is like, okay, now that's the new goal to shoot for and is able to push it that much harder. Um, So yeah, it was tricky not to be in that final heat. Although there were a couple of people that did a really good job, like Scott Panchik, I think. And it depends maybe on the type of event that it is on like a a purely skill-based event, like the handstand walk obstacle thing. Scott won that in the heat right before the last one. Um, So sometimes you can pull it off, but yeah, it's almost always beneficial to be with the big dogs from a competitive perspective. And then also just in general, like the, the final heat gets the most eyes, right? Some people when they're watching the feed are not going to watch until the final heat comes on anyway. So you just, you feel like you're, uh, you don't feel like you're in the, the right spot unless you're out there with the big dogs. Yep. And so coming out, you know, now here you are uh, looking back on the games and kind of reflecting on your performances. Is there any event that comes to mind where, you know, and I know this has been, this has been like probably a difficult, not, I don't want to call it a little bit of a difficult reflection based on what I'm hearing from you. Like, Hey, you had expectations, which were warranted because of what you had done in the past. Um, but you know, it's kind of like that good old saying, right? Like you're only as good as, uh, you know, your last event or whatever. You're only as good as your, mm-hmm. your, your last performance, meaning like right. nothing's guaranteed to anybody, in, you know? And so totally. looking back on your events, like, is there anyone that stands out where you look back and you're like, dude, I, I feel like I didn't reach my potential in that event. And if so, what, what do you think would have been done differently? Yeah, that's a good question too. And going back to like that general confusion that I kind of felt throughout the week, that was even more apparent when I looked at the leaderboard and there was like, there wasn't one particular event where I feel like I messed up. You know, every now and then there's the one you're like, oh man, I really blew it there. I went out way too hot or I shouldn't have dropped the bar here. Like I I really didn't have any event like that. And that would almost be easier to reflect back on and be like, ah, there it is. That's the one that kind of blew it for me. But um, there were a lot of performances that I had that were good, but not great. And then there were a lot of performances that were like just below good, but not terrible either. so I don't even, I think if you look at the leaderboard, if I remember correctly, the, the pig flip muscle up event and the toe to bar run event were my two lowest finishes. Yep. I think they were somewhere in the twenties. Yep. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. 25th. Yeah. And 
honestly, um, the pig foot muscle up one, that was a, a little bit more confusing to me than the run one. That one, a big chunk of muscle ups, I would normally think that that would be something that I would be good at. I got a little bit held up by the pig. That's just a, an implement that I haven't had a lot of practice on since we had it back in whatever year that was, 2015, I think. Um, and I, I wasn't able to make up enough ground on the muscle ups, but I didn't think that it would have been one of my lower finishes, like crossing the finish line and the way that I executed and the way that I felt, it, it felt decent. And I looked back on the Jumbotron and I was like, 21st or third, like, is that right? What, how, how could that have been the case? Um, the running and Toto bar one, that was a little bit more obvious to me because when we were on the run, two laps in, and, and I'm not using this as like an excuse, but this is just the fact of the matter that as we were running on that second lap, my low back started to tighten up pretty bad on me. And uh, I would imagine that it's attributed to the 45 touch and go snatches that we had done on that event the night before. I knew my back was a little bit tight and I worked on it that morning, but I didn't know how bad it was until we started going. And so that just slowed me down a lot. You know, I don't know. I'm sure you've experienced when yeah. you're trying to run and your back kind of seizes up on you. It's just hard to keep that stride. And so I had a tough time there and that slowed me down. Um, but other than that, those, those were the, the two like worst performances. Again, all the other ones were decent. I didn't have any home runs. I felt like I could have maybe had one or two of those. I was close. I had a couple like a third, a fourth, a sixth. Um, but and it's almost like when you look at that, right. It's like, I mean, dude, has, has it just the game, the game's changing every single year is the game changing. Cause like what I'm yeah. hearing from you and, and, you know, is like, dude, you executed pretty damn well. You feel super fit. You've been competing for, this is your eighth time, right? So it's not like you're new. I mean, is yeah. it just at the, the overall fitness level and the overall competitiveness is just getting better and better and better every year because I mean, it just seems like the level is just increasing every single year. Yeah. I do think that that's the case. I do think everybody's getting better at a rapid pace. And like, if you don't keep up, you're going to get left behind. That being said, I don't necessarily think that this year was a case of me getting left behind. I think there were a lot of factors. I, I really don't like to make excuses, but if I go look back and I like analyze the season as fit as I felt, there were still like this season was pretty difficult. I spent almost two months in and out of training because I had a kidney stone issue and oh, I had yeah. kidney surgery. Two weeks before the West Coast Classic, I tweaked my shoulder really bad. I still don't really know what happened. Um, and it's still not great. And that's why the snatch event was really difficult for me. I've got something going on with my shoulder. I'm getting checked out. I think next week for my shoulder, tomorrow I'm actually getting my wrist checked out. My wrist and shoulder have been tweaked up bad. So I haven't been able to train properly for the past couple of months. Um, I was away from home. I was homesick. I, there were just a lot of little things where if I were to reflect back, I think before the game started, I was trying to convince myself like, yeah, you're in super good shape. You're dialed in, you're peaked, you're healthy, you're ready. But then now that that's over and I'm not trying to convince myself of that anymore, it's like, ah, maybe I wasn't actually physically in the best place just because of those little tweaks. Maybe my training wasn't optimal because we had to work around so much of that stuff. Maybe my mental and spiritual being wasn't in the best spot because I was away from home and the people that I love so much. So 
I don't know, maybe I can get all those things dialed in next year and I'll kick butt and win the game. So I'm not <laughs> giving up hope yet. Is that yet. the weirdest thing? It's so, so, so speaking of that, right. You come, you, we're, we're talking about these, in, you know, little tweaks here and there, which at your level make a difference, right. Where we're like, you know, when you're at the highest level, you gotta be, uh, you know, because everybody for the most part who qualifies for the games for the most part, a lot of people are, are there's, there are a lot of contenders to win the games, but it, there's totally. so many factors that incorporate, right? What are the events? Totally. How do they perform? How's their body feeling? What's their recovery? All that kind of stuff. So what is, so what's the plan moving, you know, uh, coming off this finish, right? What is the plan for you moving into the next year? Are you thinking, are you going to be doing like uh, additional events? Are you going to try and get more competitions under your belt? Or are you going to try and do a, as few as possible, just get ready for the open, the, and then the, the game season? I mean, how's that looking for you? Yeah, man, it's so wide open and it's so undecided, like wide open in the sense that there are a lot of options in that regard. And I haven't really decided on any of them just yet. Right after the games, my, I was a bit dramatic and, and your, your mind can jump all over the place, right? So <laughs> right. I finish in at one point, what well, was a Saturday night? And I was already honest with my coach about this. So I don't feel bad seeing it, but Saturday night I was in 14th place 15th place, as you said before, was my lowest finish back in 2016. And after that year, after 2016, I was like, man, something's not working. I've got to change things up because I'm not okay with that finish. Right. And so going into the final day of competition, thinking, man, what if I finish my worst finish ever? Maybe I do again need to make some major changes, whether that's to my coaching, to I don't know, so many different things. Um, I, I calmed down a little bit. I thought a little bit more rationally about it. I, I, because there are so many factors, I don't think that I could pin it to one thing and say, I need a new coach or I need a new training program. So um, my plan going forward this season, I, I'm loyal. I trust, believe, and love my coach, Max Elhaj. Um, I'm going to stay working with him. Although we've spoken about it, there's the potential that we – mix things up a little bit and talk to some experts in different fields, right? So Chris Hinshaw has helped you in the past. He's helped Rich. He's helped Matt. I reached guy. out to Chris. Yeah. And I said, Hey, Chris, we've worked together very briefly way back in the day. I'm sick of the endurance event being one of my worst finishes at the games. Do you think you can help me please? And so Chris and I are supposed to get on the phone at some point in the next couple of days, and maybe I can get some assistance from him. There's uh, the Brazilian national champion, this Olympic weightlifter named Fernando Reyes, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He lives and trains in Miami. And my snatch technique has just been off for the last handful of months. I reached out to him. I said, hey, I'd love to be able to do some technical work with you whenever you have the chance. So I think I'll make some small changes in that regard this season. Big picture, I'll probably live in Miami because spending a big chunk away from home, I don't think was the key for me. I definitely will have little training camps where I go back and forth to training think tank, but home base is going to be in Miami. And I'm hoping to be able to recruit some training partners to spend a majority of the season down here with me. And what do you think about the training partner concept? So um, when I was competing, I had some years where I had um, significant training partners. I had other years where I trained primarily on my own. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts there? Because if you look at like a Justin Medeiros, he trains on his own. Uh, Pat Vellner trains on his own. Brent trains on his own. But then you have yep. others who train in um, like these camps, these groups. Um, and, and so I'm curious, what are the, from your perspective, what are the pros and cons there of 
having a group or not having a group? I mean, you, you say you want to have some training partners. Is that a good thing or, or what does that look like? Yeah, I think if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, I would have said without a doubt that having training partners is going to make you a better athlete. I still think that that's the case to a certain extent. But similar to you, I've had years where I've had no training partners, where it was pretty much just me training on my own at peak. And then even in 2020, almost all of that year, I was training in my driveway all by myself. And I had a relatively successful season. You know, I made it out to that top five in Aromas, finished fourth overall. And so I don't know that that's necessarily a guarantee that just be, and, and I mean, in the opposite fashion, this year I had more training partners than ever. I lived at Training Think Tank and trained with Travis Mayer, Jake Berman, Kyle Bernier, Lauren Fisher, Alexis Raptis, Alessandra Pacelli, and it was one of my worst years. So I, I don't think you can pin it down to one or the other. Um, I do think it makes the process more enjoyable, I'll say. For sure. For sure. And, and that's important to me, you know, as much as I want to win and I'm willing to make sacrifices to do so, I do want to enjoy the process. I want to have positive memories. I want to be a happy person through most of that journey. So I think incorporating the training partners is going to give me that push on occasion, but always is going to make me enjoy it more. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, looking back on the games and then we could obviously pivot to, it's just, you know, the games are, are pretty fresh on, on our minds because, right. you know, I, I, uh, I was, I don't know what event it was, but like there was a meme of like you and cash or something, but <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you um, behind the scenes, what was the vibe like this year? You know, I, I spoke to Justin, I didn't ask him this question. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. um, you know, you got a lot of people coming in um, uh, from, from different countries, uh, different backgrounds. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a very, it's a, uh, it, you know, compared to like Wadapalooza, the games are very like, uh, the tensions are relatively high. Not to say they're not high for the, for the elite at Wadapalooza, but it's just a different mindset. People are coming to the games to win and they're coming right. there as a professional sport. What, um, what was the atmosphere like uh, behind the scenes and, and how did COVID play a role in that? Um, mm -hmm. Curious. Yeah, it was an interesting year with <laughs> all of that stuff being the right. case. You know, I think first and foremost, the COVID stuff, um, that didn't feel like it played a significant role for me personally at the games this year. I had been fully vaccinated. So when I showed up, I didn't have to test or anything like that. Um, but obviously there were some people like Carrie Pierce and um, Bethany Shadburn that tested positive and weren't able to compete at all. So COVID completely impacted their season and Danielle Brandon having to kind of like compete on her own with that whole situation. Um, but from an athlete's perspective, myself, that wasn't a major factor. If anything, it was kind of nice coming off of last year where we didn't really have a real games. It felt like this fresh breath of fresh air, like back to the way things used to be and were meant to be. So I think right. a lot of people, staff, veteran athletes were excited to go back to what we knew before. And you could kind of get that vibe. Um, something else that changed the vibe was Matt Frazier not being there competing on yeah. the men's side of things. Yeah. What was that like? Because I mean, for the last five years, I mean, it was pretty well known that he was the favorite to do well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that changes things for the competitors. It changes things in the warm up area. It changes the vibe on the bus. Like, and, and so it felt different this year. I don't know exactly how to categorize how it felt different, but it did a little bit. I think there were times where it was more low key, something that I think was funny that I've never experienced before. I don't know if you ever have, but 
Um, Chandler Smith is a really good friend of mine. We spent a good amount of time together during the games. And after they announced the run clean workout, those like the two back-to-backs, those run power clean, run squat clean. Um, we all kind of went back to the warm-up area and it's like for people that have never seen it. And actually, I don't know if you've ever seen underneath the Coliseum, there's basically a section that's like 20 yards wide and it kind of wraps around in like this half moon shape of the the end zone, one of the end zones of the Coliseum. And they have a pull-up rig there. Everybody kind of lays their bags out along the wall and that's the warm-up area. And so we were back in the warm-up area and Chandler got out his Beats pill and put on a playlist and it was Bruno Mars, 24 karat magic. And he turned it all the way up. And just like you would in the gym, like we started wrapping up our thumbs, we're kind of jamming out. And it was just like this really fun, cool, good vibe that at first there was a little like of that hesitant tension, like, man, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is like right, this right, is right, competition. Right, right. We're supposed to be but, quiet with our headphones on into yeah. ourselves, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And Chandler was having a good time. And I was like, you know what? That's pretty cool. And that's different. I, I like that. And so I kind of went with that vibe and Chandler and I just had a really good, fun time warming up for that event. And that's a memory that I'll always enjoy looking back on. Like that just kind of flipped the script a little bit on what it's supposed to be like. Um, so in that way, the vibe was a little bit different in at times. Um, and then there were some, some new competitors, right? Like Jason Hopper was a, a rookie to the games this year and Colton Mertens. I'm trying to think of some of those other guys, but you could tell that they were taking it all in for the first time. And they had a lot of like big highs and lows, not just on the competition floor, but even kind of in the background area, you could see their moods going up and down. Um, and so yeah, there, there's a little, there was a, a good mix of everything, but for the most part, I think people were excited to be back competing in person, excited to have fans in the stands. You mentioned Dave Castro. I felt like there was a pretty significant absence of his presence this year. Really? Often, oftentimes he like plays a big psychological role in the games, right? At right. the athlete dinner, he tries to scare people into this is going to be the hardest games ever. There are going to be times when you want to quit. If you want to quit, feel free to talk to one of our team members. They almost try to like trick you into stuff like that. And there was literally none of that. He would announce the events to us and then gone. And I don't know what that was for. I don't know if that was purposeful or whatever it was, but it was kind of interesting because we're so used to that. He would add some theatrics. I remember one year, uh, actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the first year we swam. He, uh, we had a, we had a safety briefing and we were swimming off the coast of California and there happened to be a shark sighting. Um, mm-hmm. this is like legitimate. Like he didn't make this up. Yeah. I thought he right, made right. it up, but he didn't. Cause I don't think he, I mean, he, <laughs> you looked it up on the news and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah there was a yeah. great way here. And so they have images of this shark from, a, from above. And like, Yikes. Hey, this shark is like a mile offshore. If it gets too close to where we're swimming at, <laughs> we're going to have to cancel the event. And they, they were like yeah. being completely serious about it. And yeah, I just scary. remember the way he said it. He's like, Hey guys, I have a, I have a, uh, I have a rule when I get into the ocean, you know, as a, as a former Navy SEAL, what I think about is I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm in, I'm in the hands of, of the ocean and what happens happens, but I'm, I'm you have to be I'm, willing to accept the fact that you might get eaten. Like, yes. yeah, I remember and, saying that. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting. And so how about, um, the gentleman from Brazil, um, Guillermo. Uh, yeah. Guillermo, right. He had, I mean, his snatch clinic that he put on was like Dude. something else, right? 
he could have kept going for another realistically like 30 pounds probably Dude, that was pretty insane it was it, but that's an example of like i mean he came up if, if it, again i'm looking more in like his background and whatnot but Dude, finishing seventh coming from Brazil is a really big deal because Absolutely. we've never really seen anybody from uh, really anywhere outside of like Europe and Australia, Europe and the United States really have a dominant position at the game. Right. So, I mean, was a, from a cultural perspective, I mean, really, you didn't recognize anything different, really. I mean, because you have a bunch of people, Canada, you have uh, what, uh, Iceland, Finland, you have different countries mm -hmm. being represented. Nothing really major sticks out there. No, nothing, nothing significant. Um, I definitely had the opportunity to meet a couple of the guys. Lazar and Luka Jukic were yeah. both two really cool guys. They're from Serbia. And uh, I happened to catch a ride over to the venue with them one day. And they're just really cool dudes. So I was happy to have made friends with them. Guillermo and I actually had the opportunity to train together in Miami a couple of years ago. So I, I'm friendly with a lot of those guys. But it did, there wasn't any like interesting cultural observations that I made. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. I, I just love to yeah. see a sport, you know, because in the past you'd see a sports all, uh, you know, U.S. flags, which obviously I take a lot of pride being an American, but I also want to see the sport grow and, 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 and grow globally because that's good for yeah. everybody, right? And so it's cool to see that. Um, yeah, man. Quick, so, quick funny story talking yeah, about want, the international athletes. I want as many athletes. funny stories as we can get. <laughs> okay, so Alex Ilin, Ilian, Ilian. He was the athlete from Russia. I think he ended up having to withdraw from the competition. Unfortunately, I heard that he tweaked his back during the pig flip event. Yeah, you're, you're right. Al, Al, so, yes. So prior to that event, when he was still in the competition, we were all loaded up on the bus headed to the lake for, I think it was for the briefing the day before the swim event. And his, he only speaks Russian. So his translator came onto the bus Right. And handed him a bushel of six bananas that you, anybody would assume is like for the day, maybe for the week. My guy eats six bananas in a row in one sitting. I've on never bus. seen anybody do that in my life. On the bus, on the way to the swim, peels a banana, eats it. Next one, peels a banana, eats but it. Dude, Next are one. we talking like a 20 minute bus ride tops? Yes. Six bananas in, in a matter of like five minutes. It, that was, I don't know why that was funny. I don't know if that's a cultural thing. If maybe Russians are big banana fans, but I was impressed. Dude, that is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm just <laughs> looking at, I mean, he finished the first second and then after the second event, uh, looks like he had some, some yeah. challenges. And there were a good amount of people this year, actually, that ended up either being injured or sick or having to withdraw for whatever reason, which is unfortunate. Yeah. You know, the, the COVID thing really is interesting because as an athlete, I'd be very nervous. And this also goes to the Olympics. Um, you know, I, I wasn't aware that if you had a vaccination that you were not tested, I thought everybody was being tested. That's mm -hmm. what I thought. Um, yep. but, um, to show up to the games and like, I mean, cause I, I saw all the athletes kind of around each other and I was always wondering like why they're so close to each other. Like, why wouldn't they separate? Because yeah. you wouldn't want to accidentally get COVID cause I thought they would test you guys every single morning, but I guess that wasn't the case. And so it seemed like yeah. it was a little bit more, um, it seemed like it wasn't as big of a worry as I thought it would be for the athletes. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There were a couple athletes that specifically, I think it was Brent and Patrick that both on occasion in the back, like going from one event to another would wear a mask. And I asked them about it. They said it was a little bit competitive. Like they didn't want to get it in the middle of the weekend, but also they had to 
test or test negative before trying to travel home. Yes. Um, but for the most part, I think once a majority of the people that were unvaccinated had tested negative and then everybody vaccinated was, I guess, hopefully negative. And now we know that it's possible to have the vaccination and still be positive. But um, I think everybody just kind of let go of the worry of that. You know, as an athlete, you don't want to have any additional stress. And so once we were checked in and it, uh, accepted the fact that hopefully everybody was clear, at least from my perspective, I, I tried not to think too much about that. Yeah. And then just move forward. And so yeah. you know, speaking of move forward, you know, you're talking about maybe incorporating Hinshaw who obviously I, I do, we just had him on the podcast. If you get a chance, go back a couple episodes, nice. dude, you got to listen to his story about uh, a triathlon that he did in Brazil. You just have to listen cool. to it. I will uh, for sure. Please. You're going to get a kick out of it. Um, but I think incorporating guys like him or Olympic lifters and whatnot, I think it's really interesting. I was talking to Justin and he was sharing that he actually is incorporating a little bit more from a bodybuilding perspective, which I thought was, was unique. Mm. I, you know, back in, in the day, uh, you know, people were all about compound movements, uh, you know, high ranges of motion, et cetera. But it's interesting totally. to hear that he, and he spoke about this on the podcast. I don't feel like this is like proprietary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that he would say, oh, my, my shoulders are weak. I'm going to go ahead and incorporate you know, strict pressing, of course, push pressing, push jerking, but I'm also going to do, you know, delt raises and mm -hmm. in more bodybuilding isolated muscle groups. And I'm wondering what you think about that, because for me, I, I, I would, if I, if my shoulders were weak, I would just work like more pressing handstand pushups, et cetera, but he's taking a different approach to it. What are your thoughts yeah. there about isolating the muscle group? Yeah, that's interesting. It's funny because however long ago, probably even still, sometimes you would get teased if you did a bicep curl in a CrossFit gym, right? It was kind of like taboo. Right. Um, which I don't think is necessarily the case. Like, I don't know that that's proper or fair, but I agree that that could be beneficial. I think especially myself, as I'm getting a little bit older and I am a little bit more tweaky, that might be something that, and, and Max has mentioned incorporating stuff like that, just to make sure that the joints and supporting musculature are strong and healthy for all the stuff that we do. The only reason that I personally wouldn't jump on that right now is because one thing that I am doing moving forward, which I didn't mention before, I think that I need to lose a decent amount of weight hmm. in hindsight at the game. What do you weigh right now? I, I, I want you to guess first. I'm uh, five, seven. How, you're five, seven. Yeah. Um, one, one ninety two. Two Oh five. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I boy. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's not too far off, but like that, that ends up being a significant difference. And so I, I don't know exactly what I weighed at the games. I didn't step on a scale the day before, but shortly after I did step on a scale, I was like 208 was the heaviest I'd been. I did a little bit of indulging. I don't think it was made. I don't think it was all due to that. I'm sure at the CrossFit Games, I was probably somewhere around 200 pounds. I was very lean, like looking back on photos. And there was never a time where I felt like, oh man, I'm heavy and like right. chunky or letting myself go. I was really well fueled. I was hitting my macros. I never felt tired. I felt like I always had energy in me during the games. But I think that if you look at the, the stats, right? My, the last time I PR'd my snatch at 285 pounds was 2015. And I weighed 185 pounds back then. Yeah. So if I now weigh 205, I'm 20 pounds heavier and I haven't PR'd my snatch in years. 
what's the point of all that extra weight? And there are events I can look back on like that freestanding handstand pushup where you're walking forward, the difference. muscle ups, the handstand. Well, I felt heavy and I felt that shoulder burn. So I think one of the priorities that I'm going to focus on at the beginning of this season is in a very healthy way, slimming myself back down. I think a lot of it's going to be losing muscle, which probably sounds weird to some people, but there's such thing as too much muscle. So yeah. Anyway, that's a, that's all that to say that. Interesting. So, so yeah. just like, so I'm five, nine and a half, you know, uh, you know, maybe five, nine and a half, five, 10 in and, your oldies. Yeah. Five, 10 in, in, in some shoes. And, um, you know, the heaviest I was at the games was like a uh, two fifteen. I remember as I was, you know, going through this, the cycle, like, I was like, okay, what's too heavy, what's too light and what works mm -hmm. for me. And I would evaluate, you know, the lighter you are, obviously the better it's going to be for gymnastics and whatever, but the heavier right. you are, the better it's going to be weightlifting. But for me, I mean, I felt like that sweet spot was like right above 200 pounds. And when I tried to get below it, my, my performances were not, were, were suffering from it. And I imagine the same thing will happen to you. You just got to go out there and get in the laboratory. And see what happens. Yeah. Because yeah. you might find, dude, the proper weight for you is, you know, 195. And, um, that's really interesting. You're tuning into that because mm -hmm. I think it takes some good self-awareness to realize like, Hey, how heavy is too heavy. And I think your snatch example is really interesting. I'm wondering, has your back squat, uh, like have your power lifts gone up or not really? Yes, they have. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there are two different things to look at there, but how much stronger would those have gotten if I, if I hadn't put on that weight? Um, I don't know, I guess we'll find out. That'll be another part of the experimentation will be, okay, I do get myself down to 185. Can I still pull 540 pounds or whatever it may be? And maybe 540 is unnecessary. So if I get down to 185 and my running and gymnastics feels way better and I can still pull 515, like maybe that is enough and that, that give and take is worth it. Yeah, that's a super interesting conversation to have with yourself and your coaches and figure mm -hmm. out what that's like. I mean, I think from a spectator perspective, you don't really think about it, but from an yeah. athlete perspective, you definitely do because there's gotta be gives and takes somewhere. Um, and so looking at, you know, the next year, I know we were talking about coaches, identifying this kind of stuff, but how about from a business lens? You know, you and I have talked about a few different things in the past, anything, uh, you know, initially come on to the forefront from a business lens that, uh, you're excited about in particular, you want to talk about? Yeah, man, it's, it's you and I, in our last conversation, I believe, um, on the podcast and then even a little bit privately afterwards, I have, and still feel a little bit torn there's like these uh these two identities of me the the professional athlete that's trying to win the crossfit games and the creative business kind of entrepreneur that has ideas that they i feel like they can't exist at the same level at the same time and i'm choosing during this window and period of time where i can really maximize on my physical capacity to focus on that and kind of let the business stuff fall by the wayside that being said I do want to try to find a healthier balance of that this year. I don't think I have to completely let go of that. So I, I do want to find ways to kind of revitalize the happy, but hungry brand. Um, I, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet. We can brainstorm ideas. You've always got some awesome ones for me. So maybe we bring one of those to life, but for the most part this year, I think it'll be just being really committed to my sponsors. I've been working with Gymshark now for about yeah. six months and I think during this off season, I'll have the opportunity to travel out to their headquarters in the UK, which will be awesome. Um, and then, yeah, just making sure that all the partners that I work with, I, I have really narrowed down over the years and found ones that I love and believe in. So making sure that I just kind of continue to give love to them and grow with them. Um, 
there's some cool opportunities with my manager, Bijan, who you've met um, some stuff with his management group that I, I am going to be involved in. So I think there are little things here and there, but I'm going to try to maintain priority as the, the CrossFit Games athlete for the most part. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, I don't, I'm excited to watch, you know, I was excited to watch at the games. I thought you went out there, you left it on the field. I thought you did a great job. I know that, that necessarily the, the, the top 10 performance wasn't exactly what you were looking for, but you know, I'm also a big believer that in life, you know, things have a tendency to work themselves out. And so maybe this 10th place performance, which maybe didn't reach your expectation, fires you up to go identify what way should I be at? What coach should I? And then boom, you come back next year and you have a super dominating performance, you know? Um, I definitely believe that that's possible. Right. But maybe if you had taken fourth this year, hypothetically, you wouldn't have had mm -hmm. that same insight. So yeah, totally. anyways, that's, that's my glass half, uh, half full, uh, you know. I pitch, love that. But, I actually but, just heard a cool quote the other day from my fiance, Joanne's mother, Irene. She read that um, something along the lines of like, said i'm not concerned with whether the glass is half full or half empty i'm concerned with how to fill it all the way up and i was like oh that's a cool approach like it doesn't matter negative or positive but just like how how are you going to solve the problem if there is one you know how are you going to maximize your gifts yeah and, and, and find fulfillment I, you know I, mm -hmm. i'd hear that as finding fulfillment right because you have a lot of people mm -hmm. half full half empty this and that but they they, they they keep searching for fulfillment whether it's through money or whatever it is and you got to find out what makes you happy, man. And I think for you, obviously training makes you happy. You got your family to think about and dude, you got the business side of the house and there's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff ahead. Um, we yeah. should definitely uh, touch base offline, talk a little bit more about uh, some training ideas that I have for you. And then also the hinge shot thing. Cool. Uh, you got to go listen to the okay. podcast. Um, yeah. So if people are listening to the podcast, you know, you've been on the show before. Uh, if they want to find out more about you, and I know you have your YouTube, your Instagram, what's the best place to go? all that good stuff. Um, Instagram is probably the platform that I'm the most active on. That's at N-O-H-L-S-E-N. -E I'm going to post my final event 15 recap this evening, and then I'll, I'll move on from those. That was kind of my way of decompressing and uh, moving on from this season is just to like reflect on each event as a whole, what I was feeling in those moments. I had done that privately kind of in my my journal on my phone and i decided to share that with everybody just to give a little extra insight so um yeah i hope everybody checks that out and enjoys that yeah well hey congratulations to you on an incredible year congratulations to all the athletes and uh, their performances you know it was really it was really fun for us to watch and uh to go check out noah olson and uh thanks brother i appreciate your time thank you man oh,